this is Next Matters Most. It's a podcast on the future of business, entrepreneurship, and technology. Um, we like to share experiences. We like to talk about our journeys, uh, ups, downs, etc., and and share that with the world. And we're here with uh, Jared Overson of Vino or Vino.dev, depending. You can kind of give us some some context there. And uh, and you're based in Cary, is that right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Okay, so right down the road uh, from us over here in Durham, I guess you know. Before talking about the business, maybe give us your sort of um, few minute bio of of who's Jared and, and and what's he working on and what is what does he care about? Yeah, sure. Uh, so I'm Jared Overson. I've uh, been uh, programming and making things since I was 11. I was I started making like uh, video games on my graphing calculator uh, for my friends in math class, uh, and it just was fun. So. Uh, taught myself uh, how to program. Uh, uh, went to went to work straight out of there. Worked at Napster, uh, Riot Games. Uh, uh, started a few consulting companies. Uh, went to uh, Shape Security about seven years ago. Uh, we, we defeated bad guys stealing stealing your your bank accounts, your airline miles, stuff like that for seven years. Uh, got acquired by F5 last year uh, for uh, the magical one billion dollars. Uh, and six months ago, uh, decided to uh, to pursue something that I've been I've been trying I've been wanting for a couple decades now, uh, and finally realized that if I didn't try to do it myself, I would end up regretting it forever. So uh, that's where I am now. Sweet. Um, I definitely heard a, a Napster reference in there. So how was that? Uh, it was it was fun. I was in the it was in the legit Napster days. Um, so we're okay. building a, a, a legitimate music streaming service, just like Spotify, uh, Apple Music, stuff stuff like that. Now uh, we're clearly very very early. Uh, like to everyone who worked there, it was just a, such an obvious value. Like you you paid like seven eight bucks a month, and you got all the music that existed on the planet whenever you wanted it. It was awesome, but it was. It was before a time where people really recognized the value of that. So they were like, you, you mean you rent the music? You don't own it? Why would I do that when I can buy a CD? Uh, so now everything is completely flipped, uh, but it was a it was a good experience uh, in having the right idea at the wrong time. Wow, dude, that's awesome. Yeah, and I see the years you were there, which I think was post dates when I was in college, which I don't think was the, <laughs> uh, the, the legit years, but that was, yeah, like, you know, I mean, but I feel like, I guess, yeah, I mean, I think in theory and spirit, it was legit, like we're sharing people can, you know, I guess, make a tape for somebody and it was like no big deal, like, oh, I'll copy my CD, but I guess maybe everyone was pirating, but it was always okay on like, I share with my friend, uh, small scale, um, but not on, you know, once the, not the scale of the internet. Um, yeah. How much did, like, and that's funny to think about that use case, like how much did just like devices and other gadgets adopting streaming sort of play? Like it's, it was sort of like a, an ecosystem thing, right? That there needed to be more device outlets like this is almost pre well not total pre iphone but pre like apple iphone like mass takeover and they weren't obviously putting your stuff on there because they wanted to sell you through itunes but yeah um i'm thinking like sonos of the world type things yeah I mean, we're, we're uh partnered with sonos uh the uh, i think the i'm not sure if you called them windows phones back in the day but like those those phones that that ran some windows like operating system uh would allow you to uh, so you'd subscribe to Napster, uh, and then you'd be able to to load music onto your device uh, with some sort of like DRM that expires within 30 days if you haven't logged in to refresh your licenses, stuff like that. Uh, so there were there were solutions, but it was definitely a cumbersome, uh, not super great experience. Uh, like you had to really really want to use it to get the value out of it. 
Uh, and we actually, we, we, I worked there when the iPhone was launched uh, and there were two very different viewpoints within Napster as to what that was gonna do. Uh, there was the viewpoint where like, this is amazing. This is, this is such a good device. Uh, this is gonna change everything. Uh, this is so much better on Blackberries, Windows phones, styluses, palms, whatever. Uh, and then there was the wild opposite extreme uh, who thought that Apple was making a bad decision and that that would be their downfall. Um, I think uh, history has shown which side uh, was had a little bit more understanding as to where things were going to go. Yeah. Well, and it seems like that, I mean, that didn't really impact Napster because it's not like the iPhone ad was adopting, you know, the other streaming services right out of the gates. It was more... Um, just like the future's not always clear, you know, which is interesting. Yeah. I mean, what was there it? wasn't even an app store uh, when iPhone launched, so there wasn't even an opportunity to oh, get man. on that iPhone. That's hilarious. What was it like? Uh, and I'd stay on this too long, but I just was such a notable, well, for some people in some age yeah. brackets, yeah. I guess, but like, what was it like having the right idea at the wrong time? I mean, that was like a really great statement. And I'm sure that, I mean, a lot of people have that statement, but that was actually like a thousand percent validated to be true because the exact same idea is now worth a billion dollars a few times over with inside a few different organizations. Um, and not, and only a few years later too, not like this was all 20 years ago or whatever. This was like two years later or something. Um, but yeah. yeah, what was that like? What was that feeling like? Uh, it was, uh, it was, it was a little bit frustrating because uh, we, we would see services like Pandora and even Spotify uh, start to gain popularity uh, with their services. When, when we, we had a, it was a large account. We, we were, uh, when in compared, uh, when, when compared, we had just more of everything. We had more support, more kit, uh, compatibility, um, but we just had that legacy of the name uh, that just people, people had a hard time really understanding what Napster was at that point because it was so associated with uh, illegal dealings in the, in the early 2000s. Uh, even when I said, I worked at Napster, uh, and and told people that they should use it, they questioned whether or not they would get in trouble. So it was definitely a problem with the name. Um, but it was a it was it was a lesson in uh, sustainability because if you if you do have the right idea and you can live long enough, uh, then you can build enough of the platform so that when people come around, uh, that you'll be ready for them. Uh, but if you burn out too much trying to change people's perspectives, uh, when you when you really think they're going to change on their own, uh, then then you end up just just blowing massive amounts of money and effort uh, on something that that uh, you really have a hard time changing. Yep, that's um, huge. I feel like we could just end the interview there and post that like one and a <laughs> half minutes, uh, and that would be like a great lesson. So that's awesome. Um, okay, well, yeah, I guess let's switch gears back to more present day. And I mean, most of these experiences previously were on the West Coast. So I guess what brought you to to the greater Triangle area as a whole, namely Carrie? Yeah, uh, I, I grew up in New England, Massachusetts and Vermont, um, beautiful area. Uh, Vermont, absolutely gorgeous. Uh, not all that much technology though. And I was definitely uh, a pretty big nerd. Um, and one winter just that uh, got sick of Massachusetts and Vermont, just I couldn't deal with it anymore. I packed up, drove cross country to, to San Diego uh, after visiting it for just a couple days. Like, this is amazing. Why would anyone not, not live here? 
then after a few years there, having some kids, bounced up to the Silicon Valley area uh, because of uh, an offer that just seemed too good to pass up and not explore. Uh, and then being there made me realize that I did not want to raise my kids in that area at all. So I needed to figure out where was where was going to be next. Uh, visited North Carolina to see some friends. And North Carolina was like all the best parts of New England without the disgusting, vicious weather. Uh, so I fell in love with it pretty quickly uh, and uh, moved here about three years ago. Okay, cool. And so, you know, tell me about the sort of origin story of Vino Technologies um you kind of alluded to you know you've been wanting to work on something for a while and you'd be really sad and disappointed if you didn't so if there's no time like the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago right the second best <laughs> time is today so there's no time like the present what, what what was kicking around in your head like prior to starting it and, and then kind of the impetus to really get going uh so I've, I've, I've worked at uh, kind of large enterprises uh, frequently. Um, I mean, Napster, Napster wasn't that large, but uh, I've, I've consulted with Best Buy. I worked at Riot Games, massive. Uh, uh, Shape went from small to big. Uh, F5 is pretty big. Uh, and I've seen so many times over and over again uh, just how, how teams can start working really, really quickly uh, and produce a lot of value very, very rapidly. Uh, and then gradually, the vast majority of those teams uh, just slow to a crawl. Uh, and that's partly due to, to scale uh, towards uh, the friction, um, uh, the documentation. Uh, but it's just, it was always something that I kept on seeing over and over and over again. Uh, and uh, what would normally have taken just like a week or two to develop and deploy and get into production uh, over the course of time could take almost a quarter. Um, and it's something that I've, I've seen happen myself. I've been part of teams that have slowed down. I've heard this story many, many times. Uh, and it's a, it's, it always seemed like it was, it was a problem that really shouldn't exist anymore. Uh, I, I went back uh, last year, so I tried to start a, a couple of different like software as a service companies because I had plenty of experience, could whip something up. And I stopped at the same point every time because it was just doing the same stuff over and over and over again. Uh, so like, like authentication, every service needs users and passwords. Why do I need to build that for the 10,000th time? I've built it a bunch of times at different companies. Every company uh, does it the same way. Uh, there's basically like two ways you should store credentials. There's a thousand wrong ways to store credentials. Uh, why isn't it easier to just like plug something in and get all everything you need? Um, and it's like, of course, there's services like Okta, cloud services, whatever. You can pay somebody a fraction of a, uh, of a penny per transaction or a few bucks per user or something like that to get it. But it's just something that like it's not difficult to do. It's just work. So the, the slowing down, the cost of getting started, all that uh, just seemed like it was really, really big opportunity to, to, uh, to solve that. So kind of just rewound a bit and uh, look at the like foundation of application building uh, to try and figure out where the biggest friction is that makes things difficult to reuse and difficult to maintain and sustain and scale. Uh, and then we started building up from a a composable unit uh, so that we can just basically build applications out of these building blocks uh, that just automatically scale 
they're automatically what you could consider microservices or like code containers. Uh, basically, it gives a way for us to plug things in much more easily uh, so that we can reuse things more easily. Uh, we can share things, outsource more easily. Uh, we can, uh, we can uh, 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 maintain things more easily because everything's kind of a black box. It doesn't matter what's inside it. It just matters what goes in and out. Uh, and it just, it's a, it became a lot of fun when we started tackling the problem and realizing that it actually uh, could be solved now. Well, what, um, I guess I kind of want to go in a couple different directions. I guess what's been your, what's been your experience so far working kind of in the triangle? Is it been like you just work remotely because obviously COVID and everything and, or have you been able to like kind of plug into the community? And if so, have you gained any value through that or good, bad, better, indifferent, whatever? Yeah, actually the, I moved out here. Um, so I've always uh, put together like a, uh, like meetup groups at meetup.com. Mm -hmm. Uh, San Diego, the, the San Jose area. Uh, so, so took over the, it was the Node.js one when I first got out here. Oh, cool. um, and uh, it just, it was, it was, I was wrong time in my life to maintain that. So uh, that combined with COVID, I ended up having to pass it off uh, early last year, late 2019, whenever, whenever all that uh, started to, to get more complicated. Um, but yeah, there, there's some great people around here. Uh, there's a there's a great web community, uh, like the JavaScript and open source community, uh, the, the All Things Open uh, conference around here uh, is, is, attracts a, a lot of uh, a lot of smart people. Um, yeah, it's been it's been awesome out here. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So I guess back to the product. Um, what this feels like it's always it's kind of like the it feels like it's a promise that's been made many times right yeah. like yeah. you know it's gonna be easy to deploy like no code low code no code all that stuff um and it doesn't always deliver or it's always got some caveats i mean who who are the kind of the competition and, and or just speak to that right i mean obviously you've seen you're an engineer so you've seen sort of the evolution of some of these promises like oh i just drag and drop it's a WYSIWYG, you know and yeah um then all of a sudden my application spins up and i'm in business and i've always like actually been interested in those because i'm more of a developer business developer right so mike i like sales if i could like build prototypes to help sort of demo something um that would be effective if i could easily put up my idea but it's just never that easy right and so yeah. i'm like well you know and then where does it go from there so but i guess yeah what have you seen and how did you know how, how are you sort of positioning it as, as different or is this just technologies evolved and you know now we're ready for this kind of product uh, it's a little bit of both, uh, kind of like back to the, the timing discussion, um, like uh, people people have been trying to do uh, stuff similar to what Vino's doing right now, uh, and tons of people are trying to do it right now, um, but the people have definitely grown accustomed to some of the uh, some of the concepts that, that they need to be, they need to just accept before they can jump into something like this. Uh, things like containerization, uh, abstracting large chunks of logic uh, around a black box that you only operate uh, through via APIs or ports or something like that. Uh, like before, before Linux containers and Docker, uh, you could do similar things with VMs, but they're just way too heavy. Now that Docker has has uh, got people uh, got people wrapping their heads around. Uh, containerizing processes and now microservices, sidecars, Kubernetes, things like that. It was easier to see how you can keep on breaking things down uh, into these reusable building blocks uh, and connecting them. Uh, and then uh, at the core of, of what we're doing at Vino is abstracting the interface between all of these uh, blocks uh, to, uh, to a 
an asynchronous uh, bracketed stream as the only way to input and output data, uh, which is it's it's a it's a way to abstract any input and any output, so you so you don't have to worry about like patterns, builders, asynchronous versus synchronous, futures, callbacks, whatever. Um, but that that concept is is uh, is difficult to throw at somebody right away um, if they're not used to something like that. But now uh, it's very very common to scale out large distributed systems. Uh, through like message queues, like like NATS, RabbitMQ, PubSub, things like that. And that that makes it easier for people to stomach that at a smaller level because they've already seen the value at a higher level. Uh, and we're also, we're doubling down on WebAssembly uh, as a transformational technology uh, because that, that uh, I think is going to be extremely valuable a million different ways, um, but it's, it's going to require people to change a lot of, of how they think development should work uh, and what they, they should target. So that that already adds a lot of cost to, to leveraging WebAssembly. Uh, and we are then just a little bit of comparative cost on top of that. Whereas if we were just like a framework for an existing uh, a language or technology, we'd basically be telling people it's like, hey, you can do literally the exact same thing you're doing right now, just completely differently if you use Vino, which is this ridiculous thing. No one should do that uh, because the, the cost is too high and the value is unknown. Now, if you want to take advantage of WebAssembly, you're already paying a pretty high cost. Uh, so we we're confident that uh, the cost on top ends up being uh, insignificant and or attractive because the value we're promising uh, is, is that much higher. That's awesome. I mean, it's funny how it kind of fits into the previous story of, you know, right product, wrong time. And now maybe this is uh, kind of right product, right time. And um, I guess what is, I mean, that, that was kind of a big component of that. So WebAssembly is a transformational technology. I mean, usually we think uh, of things that are like IOT or blockchain yeah. or whatever, you know, it's like a bigger word, like the internet, you know, um, and it's funny because when you're talking, I was like, you know, sometimes we overcomplicate things, but it's almost like the metaphor of, you know, before all these companies invested into like all this expensive servers, we didn't have the cloud and now it's easier to spin something up because they realize they can rent space there. And it's like, oh my gosh, the cost just went down by, uh, you know, at least one, yeah. if not two factors um, of 10 uh, to just to build a simple application. Um, and so here we are. So yeah, maybe tell me about WebAssembly and why that's uh, transformational in your mind. Uh, so uh, WebAssembly, uh, for, for any listeners or, or viewers, not sure if you distribute the videos and listen to the podcast as audio, uh, for anyone who is not aware, it's a, it's a, it's a format, it's a specification uh, for an executable uh, format uh, that uh, basically it sounds like Java bytecode, like a JVM. Uh, the difference here is that it's the only other executable format uh, that will run in web browsers uh, aside from JavaScript. Uh, so it's a it, it target it's the it's a faster, uh, more performant, uh, smaller, quicker to start up executable format uh, that runs on the largest platform that we've ever had in human history, just the web. So it's a it's a uh, there is so much opportunity ahead of WebAssembly um that uh we're very very excited for it but it changes the way people uh have to think about development because uh targeting the web is not just like uh recompiling the web assembly 
you're not just you don't just take something that that compiles on Linux and throw it on a Windows machine uh, and just run it as a different binary. Uh, you have to you have to think about the problem differently. Uh, you have to think about uh, streaming as a, as a first class concept. Uh, you have to think about small payloads, uh, small deliverables. You have to think about uh, targeting uh, hundreds, if not thousands, of different devices simultaneously. Uh, it's a it's a very very different problem. Uh, but WebAssembly opens up the the web world uh, to every developer that exists right now, um, or, or that developer that that writes in a language that can compile to WebAssembly, which the list is massive. Uh, so there's there's a lot of value that will be unlocked with WebAssembly, uh, but right now it's it's kind of a it's a hostile environment with an inhospitable uh, development experience. Uh, so that's why we're we, we also feel confident that that uh, that doubling down on it means that we can we can extract a lot of value uh, but it also means that we're we're going to be rolling at the at the at the head of the the pack with everyone else because we're all limited by the same uh, the same progress being made so now that you said that I, I want I need it I want you to kind of answer that again because I, I did get a lot of that what is that value layer so yeah it's got the it's got value that it adds but it's mm. got a lot of challenges which is blocking adoption but you're going to extract the value layer and make that sort of a core part of how you your product will the reason one of the core reasons your business will add product uh, significantly or add value um, to to product development significantly. So what is that like layman's terms value uh, for developers of the WebAssembly layer and like the the stack, if you will? Yeah, it's basically it's a it's a universal binary format. So for any code that you that you write, you can deploy it uh, anywhere and have it run the same way. It's kind of like the promise of Java, write once, run everywhere, uh, but it's it's much closer to JavaScript uh, where where you will have quirks from system to system, uh, but it is very much the same sort of JavaScript that runs everywhere. Uh, and it's, it's kind of like, it's kind of like Docker containers for application level code. Like you get the you get the sandbox for logic, uh, you get the uh, the security uh, uh, considerations that that have come along with uh, the, the twenty five years of JavaScript uh, uh, experience that we that the developers have had building out JavaScript VNs in browsers. Uh, so you get this this highly performant, uh, very very uh, low level, uh, very very minimal bytecode uh, that comes all wrapped up in a nice secure sandbox uh, that can run anywhere. So it's a, it's a very, very uh, exciting uh, uh, way forward for me because like it's, 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 it gives you the, the package for building blocks. Yep. And um, I guess I want to kind of go forward and back, but to go forward, who are your customers? Is it the, I mean, it sounds like this is something that can be is it just like R&D and innovation teams, or is it like this is for teams building uh, at scale in an enterprise? Is it the, are, are they developers because you want them to kind of pull through to the organization, just like like a GitHub or, you know, how those, a lot of those end up spreading, but who, who's kind of your main customer or customers? Uh, so right now we're, we're, we have to target this thing as, as many different uh, layers because I mean, we, we are early, uh, like with the Napster example, uh, there are a lot of people who aren't really ready to, to bother with things like WebAssembly, uh, especially when they're perfectly happy with, with uh, how they're deploying in the cloud. Um, but we're, we're targeting uh, small companies uh, who, who need to do a lot with less. Uh, as well as uh, small to medium-sized companies uh, who are looking to uh, scale platforms uh, that are becoming difficult to maintain. 
so like legacy platforms that already have customers already generating value, I can't can't go through uh, rewrites or refactors to the to the new uh, framework of the day, uh, but want to start scaling out um, with microservices or or serverless options. Uh, we can provide a lot of the value of uh, serverless options, or the we can provide a lot of the ease of development of serverless options with a lot of the. Uh, security and protections and comfort of having your own solution that you own completely. Yep. Okay, cool. Um, and I'm assuming these teams, your, your users are the engineers, right? Or do you ever have sort of the, you know, product person coming in and say, Hey, like, who's kind of going to be the one that's going to evaluate and say, hey, I want to pull this through into my organization. Uh, what, don't expect that uh, for the first uh, few iterations because we're going to need to have some uh, some public successes that show how people have used this in their in their company before people start to understand the value. Uh, but one of the one of the things we hope to get to uh, very quickly is the is the layers of development. So, like you said, you were like a business application developer. One of the things that uh, that there are one of the well, ways just to clarify, business developer. I mean, I'm a salesperson. I, you, you, but you, all uh, these words I have learned through osmosis, sorry. though. So I, have, I know lots of pictures. I can, I can draw this out. So you, I mean, you're, you're painting a very nice word picture actually for me. So, well, you, you, you provide, uh, you provide value and connect people, and you connect mm -hmm. things, right? Mm -hmm. It's like the, when, when we think about software development, there are people who, who have like a computer science backgrounds, uh, very good at algorithms, uh, and then there are developers who, who want to build something that a user touches and provides value to the world. Uh, those to me are two very, very different types of people. Uh, one works very well uh, with, with constraints uh, and, and limitations, and they can squeeze the best out of, out of uh, what they have to work with. Uh, but as soon as you start to change the scope, uh, change requirements, uh, they break down. They, it becomes very difficult to scale out good algorithms uh, to business because the business use cases are infinite. Uh, and algorithms are, are very much constrained to uh, contracts. Uh, business application developers on the other side, uh, they, they just wanna get stuff done. They just want, they wanna produce value as quickly as possible. Uh, so, so we kind of cut the line uh, in between those two developers uh, where the, the Vino components are, uh, they have strict contracts. Uh, they, they do things like authenticate a user uh, or render uh, JSON into an HTML file. Uh, or or uh, hash a password, things like that. Things where the inputs are explicit and the outputs are known. Uh, and then the business application developers uh, connect all these things together in order to deliver applications. Uh, so we, we're targeting the lower level uh, algorithm uh, developer people now because they're the ones who are going to be uh, able to deliver these components, turn them into microservices to deliver value for their teams. Uh, but we want to build up uh, enough of the uh, registry and uh, example flows and use cases so that we can show people it's like hey now that this foundation has been built uh, putting uh, comments on your site or a social network feed uh, or authentication ends up being just dragging and dropping or or using this uh, what we call schematic uh, uh, very very easily um, uh, when we get to that point, then it becomes easier to see how product people uh, or non-senior engineers or architects can start to add much more value uh, by leveraging what has already been done. Yep. 
Uh, how, what's the sales pitch on the website? I mean, I think it's code less, build more. And I, I want to try to composable application platform that gives you a shortcut from idea to reality. You know, applications are made of composable building blocks that you can reshare, remix, and reuse anywhere. So to that, you know, kind of backend developer uh, persona, that probably means enough, or it might mean enough, and you can comment on that. But to me is kind of the, you know, I understand things in diagrams. I understand it to mean like, this is different from other low code platforms because it's actually giving you, it's more like pre-built components and it's giving you a lot of like scaffolding or a lot of, it's just giving you a big head start. It's not actually taking away, it's not limiting your options.